0: You could take a seat, spend some time afterwards chatting together, but right now you're cutting into my time. (laughs) Welcome each and every one of you. We're grateful that you're here, and those of you joining us online, we welcome you as well. Um, How many of you were alive in 1966? Can I see your hands? I mean you, you you weren't just alive like you know you were born. I mean you actually remember nineteen sixty-six? Some of you not so much. It was in uh, in fact you, you guys might even remember this. It was in April 8th of 1966 that Time magazine did a front page headline that actually startled the world. It had one simple question, and it was this, is God dead? Is God dead? The very next day, reporters camped out on Billy Graham's lawn. And when Billy Graham walked out the door, not knowing any of that, he walked out of his door and they all, almost with um, giddy smugness, said, So, Dr. Graham, is it true? Is God dead? And of course, he's a bit taken back. He's like, I don't even know what's going on. But he took their question at face value and he said, well, that would be awfully odd because I just spoke with him this morning. (laughs) If you read your Bible with any kind of openness at all, you've got to recognize that God has created us. He's built within our DNA the awareness that we were made for relationship with Him which would include communication. You can't have any good relationship without communication. Today I want to look at something that I alluded to two weeks ago when I was speaking, and that's that some people treat this whole idea of God speaking to us as almost something magical. It is something supra spiritual. Uh, it's, It's almost as if you can get the planets to all line up perfectly, and everybody joins hands and sings kumbaya, then maybe God will speak. Or, or for some of us, it, it's kind of like this. If we can get in the perfect posture, kind of like Caleb did right here. If you can get yourself just perfect, you know, you, you, you sit there and you've got your mantra, then maybe God will speak. Or for some of you, it's like, no, God only speaks to me if I'm out in the woods. But the truth is, God speaks. He does speak, and He speaks to us all the time. Job thirty-three fourteen 14 is a great verse. If you've never read this verse, or if you haven't marked it in your Bible, you really ought to. It's one of the keynote verses about this in the whole Bible, and it says this. Job thirty-three fourteen. 14. For God does speak, now one way, now another, though man may not perceive it. The problem isn't that God isn't talking. The problem is, in our hearing, and in our understanding. Um, today, I want to look at how we can know if we're actually hearing the voice of God. Last Sunday, uh, I've said to you, or a couple Sundays ago rather, I said to you that most often God doesn't thunder from the skies, He doesn't put up a neon sign saying, This is God, listen to me. Most of the time, He speaks as a whisper in our hearts. It's a sense that we have. You might even say it's a feeling. But if God gives me impressions or feelings, how do I know it's God and not the Taco Bell that I ate last night? How do I know it's really God? Um, Do you ever talk to yourself? How many of you are bold enough to admit you talk to yourself? Because, I mean, after all, every once in a while you have to have an intelligent conversation with somebody. Well, I talk to myself. Well, my question to you is, how do I know that what I'm hearing is God and not just my own thoughts, my own sense, my own awareness, my own feelings inside? But the truth is, I have found over the years, and I've been walking with God for a while now, I have found that sometimes it's hard to distinguish the voice of God from all the other voices, including my own. Isn't it interesting, by the way, how often you think that the will of God is actually what you want to do anyways? You've heard from God, and you're pretty sure, I know what the will of God is, and it just happens to coincide with what you want to do anyways. So, how do you know when it's really God speaking? That's what I want to look at today. Uh, And this might not seem like a big deal to you today, because all you're thinking about is where we're going to go out to which restaurant after church. That doesn't matter quite so much. But what if you're talking about big life decisions like, who do I marry? Or do I move or don't I move? So, how do I know the voice of God? 1 John 4.1 says this. Don't always believe everything you hear just because somebody says it's a message from God. Test it first to see if it really is. The Bible says we have to learn to test or to distinguish God's voice from all others. Uh, I want to give you today five simple tests, using the word that God's word used here, I want to give you five simple tests or ways to evaluate an impression that you have or a voice that you think you heard. Now, if you were here last week, you would have noticed that we had two ladies come forward and share something. Uh, One was Myrna and one was Stephanie. They felt like they had a prophetic word from God that they wanted to share. So that we believe that God actually does still speak. He can encourage people in a contemporary sense as well as what he has already established in his word. But how do you test that word that somebody speaks or that you feel in your own heart? How do you test them to know whether they're God or not? And what I'm looking at is, the impressions that you have in your own heart, but also what do you do with things that people say to you? And sometimes they call it a prophecy. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just speak to you. How do you know whether that's from God or not? So I want to give you five tests. The first test is this. Does it agree with God's word and character? Okay, if you don't start here, I can tell you already, you're in deep doo-doo. You're in trouble because this is the only 100% clearly established Word of God. This doesn't contain the Word of God. This is the Word of God. You see, if you say it contains the Word of God, then you can pick and choose what part of it you think is the Word of God. But it doesn't just contain it. It is the Word of God. God never contradicts the spirit and principle of His written Word. So that what I'm talking about is not only the written Word, but the heart of the Father as it's revealed through His Word. Does it agree with His Word and with God's character? Luke 21.33 says this, Heaven and earth will pass away, but My words will never pass away. You can count on God's Word. And I'm not talking about coming up with some weird interpretation of some word because you want to do something and you figure out a way to get to do it. I'm talking about His clearly established Word that we have recognized Throughout the centuries, God will never tell you to do something that is in contradiction to his word or his character. Hebrews tells us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Um, Years ago, I had a pastor friend who called me late one night and uh, I answered the phone and said, hey, how are you doing? He said, good. I've got some really good news for you, pastor. I said, what's that? He goes, I found my true soulmate. And I thought about it for a minute and remembered that he was married. He's been married for a lot of years. And I said, what did you just say? He said, I found my true soulmate. Now, maybe you guys are going to think I'm unspiritual. That's okay. I, I probably am. But I have to tell you, I didn't pray one second about the truth of what he was saying because I know that God will never do something that is in contradiction to His Word. And God holds the marriage as being sanctified by Him. It is not something you can just throw away because you think you found somebody you fit with better. I did pray about how I should respond to Him, because honestly, in those moments, my flesh rose up and everything in me wanted to lay into Him. But I wanted to keep the doors open for being able to have a relationship and talk to Him, to be able to maybe bring some light into the darkness that had apparently gripped his mind. The Bible tells us clearly certain things, principles that we're to live by. And God will never tell you something to do or to say that is somehow contradictory to that. For example, the Bible says we're clearly to pay our taxes. He says, render to Caesar that which is Caesar." So if you get an impression in your heart that says something like this, the government wastes my money so I'm going to lie about how much I made so I don't have to give that government more of my money, that is not from God. I don't even have to think about it. It's contrary to God's Word. You're lying. And that's not God's Word. Um, Most of God's will for your life is already written in this book right here. In fact, I I just did a quick search. Just quick. I mean, it took me like two seconds. Here are just three verses where God clearly says, this is My will. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. God's will is that you become more and more like Jesus. Clearly spelled out. You don't have to wonder, what's God's will for my life? You might not know whether God's will is for you to move from this house to that house, but you can know that God wants you to become more like Jesus no matter what your decision. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God's will for you is to live with a sense of gratitude in your heart for what God has done for you and in you. Maybe you're not all the way there yet. Maybe you're facing challenges, but God is still with you. He hasn't abandoned you. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then finally, 1 Peter 2.15 says this, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. i got to tell you, there's something in me, and you can ask my wife, it happens often enough that she's very familiar with it, There's something in me of the flesh that rises up when I see injustice. When I think things are happening that are unfair and I want to take things into my own hands. But God's Word clearly says it's by doing good that we actually change the atmosphere of the situation around us. Not by arguing, not by fighting for our rights. It's by doing good, by doing His will. This book, God's Word, talks to us about our attitudes and our behavior as believers. You don't even have to pray about the truth. You just have to pray about its application. So I know, for example, that God calls me to be a giver. So if a situation arises, I don't even have to pray about should I give or don't I give. The answer is yes, I want to be a giver. The question is, God, do you want me to give into this situation? And if so, how much do you want me to give? So there are, truce in God's Word that we have to live by. The second principle I want to give you, or the second test, if you would, is this. Does it make me more like Jesus? Is it transformational in nature? Romans 8.29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to his image. Romans 12.1 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So, Jesus is our standard for everything. We're to become more and more like Jesus. Is that impression that you're feeling from God, is that word that somebody's speaking to you, is it making you more like Jesus? Are you becoming more sanctified, as it were? And we use sanctified as a big spiritual kind of word, but all it means really is becoming more like God. Becoming more about who God has called us to be. The goal of our lives ought to be be more like Jesus, to have his character, to have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith, to have those kind of characteristics becoming more pronounced in our lives, regardless of what we're doing. So a practical application is James 3.17, and it says this, the wisdom that is from above. So it's talking about God speaking to us. God giving us something from above. It's coming from above. And He says, here's how you judge whether that thing that comes from above is really God or not. Is it first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy? Is that what comes out of you? Is that what you say to people? And is that what comes out of people when they say, I have a word from God for you? or an impression that you have. A lot of people don't care how they come across to people at all. I've had people even say to me, I don't care what you think or how this makes you feel. I'm gonna tell you the truth. Well, you'll forgive me, but I don't know that that's the spirit of Christ. I think we ought to care. I think we ought to build a bridge that is strong enough in relationship to be able to have those kinds of honest conversations. But it starts with caring about people and knowing that anything God says First comes pure and then peaceable. Is that what comes out of you? Does it bring you or the recipient of the word closer to God? That's the second test. The third test is this. Is it confirmed by others? God has created every single one of us to live in relationship first with Him, but then with those around us. But this is where who your friends are, who you're listening to really matters. Where are you getting your confirmation from? I'm saying, is it confirmed by others? Well, who are you hanging out with who's going to be able to confirm it in a godly way? What voices are you listening to? Are you spending more time listening to Glenn Beck and the old Rush Limbo programs or CNN or Fox? Who are you listening to? Where are you getting your counsel from? Uh, This morning, uh, I was in my office and my granddaughter, Tessa, came in. And she says, okay, Grandpa, here I'm here to counsel you. I said, what? She says, you need to get out of your chair and you need to come on this side of the desk because I'm sitting in your chair. I'm going to counsel you. My question to you, though, is who are you getting your counsel from? And a lot of you pick friends just like you with the same problems you have so that when you go to them, they're just going to reinforce what's inside of you. And you wonder why you get the answers you do. Well, they're just like you. I like playing basketball. Any of you who know me know I enjoy playing basketball at the Y in the mornings. But one of the funny things is, is I can play against guys that aren't as good as me and I can feel really good about myself for a few minutes. But if I want to get better, I have to play against guys that are better than me. That I can't make a basket because I, fig- I can't figure out how to get around them. Well, in the same way, Who are your friends who are speaking the life and purposes of God into your life? Who are you listening to? Our company greatly determines our destiny in life. Who you're hanging out with matters. When you become a follower of Christ, you not only get a new relationship with God, you also get a new relationship with a group of people called the Church of God. Now, is the Church of God perfect? Of course not. I've walked with Jesus long enough to see some horrific things happening in the name of Jesus. Things that I think Jesus would just shudder at. I've seen things happen in church where people are arguing and fighting over the most petty little things. But nonetheless, God intended that we have relationship with one another and that together, iron will sharpen iron. That we will actually cause one another to grow and to become more and more like Jesus. He intends for us to get guidance from one another. Um, Proverbs twelve fifteen says, a fool thinks he needs no advice, but a wise man listens to others. So my third test is, does your circle of connections, does the family of God confirm what it is that you believe you're sensing in your heart is from God? The biggest reason why I have found over the years that people get themselves in trouble is they don't bother asking for any kind of counsel or any kind of advice. They just do their own thing. And yet the Bible says in a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. There's prudence to be able to make wise decisions. Um, I've watched people make decisions where they're going to live based upon how much money they make, only to get there and find that they lose their job quickly. I've watched people move from place to place to place, or come together for different jobs over different situations, and never did they ask for any advice. And when you challenge them, even just a little bit, you, you, you say to them, you know, why wouldn't you have asked somebody? He says, I'm a grown-up. I don't need to get your advice or anybody else's. And I, I want to say to people, I say it to people out in the Redemption Center when I'm working with them, I've got enough trouble dealing with my own life. I'm not trying to control yours. But I do think there are biblical principles we ought to listen to and we ought to adhere to. I think there are things that God's Word can say to us that ought to help us from making some of the stupid decisions we have made that got us in trouble. In fact, the truth is the Scripture says that when we do this, the wisdom of the righteous can save you. Let me say it again. The wisdom of the righteous can save you. Proverbs 11.9. What that says is when you make them decisions, when you make decisions with no counsel, you just do your own thing because you're a grown-up, then sometimes what happens is you end up with a lot of heartache and a lot of problems. So wise counsel can actually save you a lot of trouble in the long run. I think there are biblical principles, but the issue is who are you asking counsel from? who are you going to for counsel? Are there people that you look at their lives and they have clearly established that by how they're living, there's somebody you ought to be asking? I've watched guys with struggles with pornography go ask other friends who have just as much trouble, can you hold me accountable? And I'm thinking, why would you go to somebody who has the same problem as you and think they're going to help you in this? Or people who have problems with lying. Or you name it. If we want to change and become more and more like Jesus, We need to get counsel, wisdom from those around us who can help us. And it's not a matter of them controlling you at all. No one's trying to control. But if you are going to people who are friends of yours within the body of Christ, who are wise, mature people, and all of them say, I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but I'm not so sure that's wise, that ought to be like a yellow flag for you. That ought to be a caution flag to say, maybe this isn't the wisest thing to do in the first place. The fourth test is this. Is it encouraging rather than condemning? Is it encouraging? Uh, I can't tell you how many times over the years, even in this church, I've had people come up to me, even on a Sunday morning, sometimes before church begins, before I have to get up and preach, and they'll come to me and they say, I feel like I have a word from God for you. And immediately, everything in me tenses up because I've listened to them a lot over the years, and it seems like no matter what comes out of their mouth, it's critical, it's harsh, it's judgmental, it's attacking. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I can handle that kind of word. I don't know if I'm mature enough to handle that kind of word. I'm suggesting to you that when we have an impression from God that we want to share with somebody else, we ought to first ask us, is it going to help them? Is it going to build them up? Is it going to encourage them, or is it going to condemn them? Because condemnation, according to Romans, is not from God. So my question to you is, whether it's a word you're giving or a word you're receiving, or whether it's an impression in your own heart, is it encouraging? Is it building you up? It says every prophetic word ought to be for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Those are three tests that are clear. If it doesn't meet that standard, it's not really a word from God. And I've had people say, well, if you would listen to it, it would be edifying. I'm thinking, no, even the tone of your voice lets me know. This has no encouragement or edification built into it. Revelation 12.10 says Satan is our accuser. We don't need to be one another's accuser. I can't tell you how many times in my own life um, people have come up and said, "You know, I, I see this in you and you know God wants to deal with it. I'm thinking, you're probably right. I, I see everything that you see about me and I see a whole lot more. I know things about me that you don't know. Probably the only one who knows them is my wife. Now, maybe you see other things, but my question is this. Just because you see it, does that mean God wants to put his finger upon it right now? Maybe God wants to deal with something else. I want to deal with your lying. And God says, no, I don't want to deal with lying right now. I'm not so much worried about your lying. I know you lie. But I'm not worried about it. What I am worried about is that sense of shame you feel inside that drives you to try to lie, to continue to make yourself look better than what you are. I want to deal with those issues inside rather than all the external things that we all see. So my fourth test is, is it encouraging or is it condemning? And finally, the fifth test is simply this. Do I sense God's peace in it? Do I sense peace in it? The scripture says this, Colossians 3.15, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were also called in one body and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule. That word rule is like the word that we would use for an umpire making a call. Let the peace of God make the call for what is right or what is wrong in your life. And then Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this, Be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. Peace. Is that word bringing you a sense of peace? Is even what you're sensing in your own heart from God, does it bring you peace? Or, to go back to the back, last test, does it bring you condemnation? Um, I can't tell you how many times over the years this sense of Allowing peace to determine things for us has made a difference for my wife, Karen, and I. It could be as simple as a purchase that we're thinking about making. Do we do it or don't we do it? (coughs) We go into the store. We need a new washer. Our washer's broken down, so we're going to go in. And the salesman's there, and he's showing us all these different washers, and he says, but this washer is on sale. And it's on sale today. It goes off sale. In fact, it goes off sale within a couple of minutes, so you need to make a decision right now I have to tell you, what that feels to me like is stress. That was one of the things my granddaughter was counseling me about today. Stress in my life. She said to me, what are your life challenges? What are your stressors in life? And I'm thinking, who are you talking to? She would be a good counselor. I felt like opening up to her. But here's the point. When I'm in front of that salesman... And He's putting me on the moment saying, you have to make a decision now. All I feel is stress. I don't feel peace. And that's enough reason for me to walk away and never make that deal at all. Because I'm not going to make a deal under stress. I want the peace of God to rule and to reign in my life. I can't think of one single instance in the Word of God, and I'm sure somebody's going to find something and prove me wrong, but I can't think of one instance where God's Word says we should rush into anything. It says... Let peace rule you. Let peace rule you. He tells us, don't worry. And the truth is, stress and anxiety causes worry. And the Scripture's pretty clear. Don't worry. That's not even a suggestion. It's a command. We're not to worry. So, when we look at all of this about how do we discern the voice of God, because the truth is, as believers, we believe God speaks. He speaks through His Word. But he also speaks into our hearts and into our minds. And sometimes he even speaks through others like my granddaughter. How do we discern whether it's the voice of God or not? How do we discern whether it's our voice or God's voice to us? If that impression leaves you pressured and stressed out, then I question whether it's God or not. And by the way, God's not trying to play a game to see if we can finally get this thing right. God is more interested in us hearing His voice than we even are. God wants that kind of relationship with you. These five filters are kind of like check engine lights is how I look at them. When I'm going through life and I am faced with a situation, I want to know, okay, have I got a problem going on here? And so they don't control, but any one of them that begin to light up and flash says to me there might be something wrong and I need to take a step back, take a deep breath, And try to be quiet before God and to hear his voice. For some of you here today, maybe you're dealing with situations in your life where people, I've watched people use God's word as a weapon instead of as a bandage trying to heal people. Because Jesus said, I came for the sick, not the whole. And so when I'm in church and I'm watching, whether it be a pastor preach or whether I'm in church and I hear others share with one another, I want to know, are you using God's word to build people up, to encourage people? Are you using it to attack them, to tear them down and to to say things about them that I'm thinking, you know, I've walked with God a long time. God's put up with a lot with me. You know, people say my wife's put up with me. Well, the truth is God's put up with me and yet he's continued to work change into my life over all these years, and he's never given up on me. One of the words God did speak to me years ago, which I was so grateful for, is he said, I will not only not leave you, I will never give up on you. He said, that good work which I've begun in you, I'm going to complete it. So I know that church can sometimes be hard, people can be hard, pastors can sometimes be hard, I can sometimes be hard. And I'm saying to you, we want to learn to discern whether it's the voice, and the Spirit of God. So the five tests are very simply. Does it agree with God's word and character? Does it make me more like Jesus? Is it confirmed by those others around me? Those who I have, who I know are wise, trusted friends. Is it encouraging rather than condemning? And do I sense God's peace in it? Would you stand with me? Would you bow your heads? Just take a moment and... Just wait on God. And maybe you're dealing with something where you've been attacked. Somebody in the name of God has said some horrific things that have even at times caused you to question yourself. But the truth is, God alone is our judge. God says, leave all of that to me because I can handle it better than anybody else. The truth is, God is for you. He's not against you. He's not mad. Not the old man up in the woodshed waiting for you to blow it. God's not only love, but God actually likes you. And He wants a relationship with you whereby you can hear His voice and you can respond to Him. And that that relationship would deepen day by day. Father, in the name of Christ, um, I come. And Lord, I know that uh, I'm probably as guilty as any other pastor as any other believer of sometimes saying the wrong thing in a harsh way, a critical way, a mean way even. So often it's born out of our own flesh, our own insecurities, our own fears. But Lord, we don't want to in any way attach thus saith the Lord to those kinds of things. So Lord, we want to say to you today, uh, where we have blown it and we have used your word as a weapon against others, Lord, we, we're, we repent. We, we don't want to live that way. But then, Lord, we also say to you, we want to be able to know your voice more clearly. We want to walk with you on a day-by-day basis. So whether it's out in our uh, workplace, Uh, whether it be in a factory or on a farm or in the hospital or in the bank or at the gas station, wherever it is, whether it be in the stores or whether it be out walking in the streets or wherever. Lord, we want to be able to walk in such a way that we hear your voice and we walk in fellowship with you. Lord, I've, I've walked with you a long time, but the cry of my heart is still, I want to know you more. Like Paul say, I want to know Christ, Him crucified. I want to know you, Jesus. And Lord, I want this place and this people to be a safe people where people are loved and honored, are valued, and where when we speak something in the name of the Lord, we're very, very careful ahead of time to make sure it really does carry your spirit And it's in alignment with your word. And we're not trying to control anybody's life. We're just sharing what we sense and then we leave it in their hands to decide whether that really is God for them or not. Help us, Father, to hear your voice each day and each week. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a great rest of your day. See you next week.